0: Good morning, welcome to the house of the Lord, and those of you joining us online, good morning to you too. If you have your Bibles, please open to the book of Acts, chapter 4. We will in one moment stand and read verses 32 through 37. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 4, beginning at verse 32. Would you please stand as we read God's Word? Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of land or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that they sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, and brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. Please be seated. Well, a lot's going on here. Uh, For those of you who may be unfamiliar with the book of Acts and what is happening in this section, a brief review. The apostles, the hand-picked men of Jesus Christ, these particular two of the twelve, um, Peter and John were going to the Jewish temple during the hour of prayer and they were met there at the gate by a lame man who was lame all of his life he's in his 40s and uh, he was begging and Peter said silver and gold have I none but what I have I'll give you and in, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise and walk and the man was healed well that drew a lot of attention and that gave Peter an opportunity to preach the gospel He preached Jesus Christ. Well, the authorities didn't care for that, and they had those two men, Peter and John, arrested. And while they could not deny that a miracle was done, they ordered Peter and John to not mention the name of Jesus again and not to preach in his name. And Peter responded, well, you do what you got to do. We're going to do what God tells us to do. And he left it at that. And so they then severely threatened them even more. And Peter and John, though it's not recorded, I know this is what they said. Like, yeah, 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 whatever. We're going to keep preaching. Uh, of course, they were not no evidence of them being snarky or, or, or rude, but they just stood their ground. And they go back uh, to the church. They don't go home first. These two men released from an, an overnight in the jail, they go to the church, the bride of Christ. Uh, it, I think it's something very wrong when we refer to the church as a campus. The word is a very special word, it is linked to the word Lord, Kyrios, the hero of the church. The, the, the name means something the sanctuary. This is not an auditorium, this is the sanctuary. This is where we come because God has arranged this for us, and we grow. We find strength spiritually, which gives us strength in every other area of life that God wants us to have if we will avail ourselves, at least by depending on him. Words mean something, and uh, we should not uh, trivialize that. Well, I digress just a little bit. Coming back to this, they go to the church, and there they prayed. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 29, we read, Now, this is what they were praying. Now, Lord, look on their threats, and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. And then, verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. So they asked God, for boldness to speak in the face of these threats, and God granted it. And that's now what, what is happening in Jerusalem at this time is people are coming to Christ. They're getting saved. They were getting saved since the day of Pentecost when Peter stood up and preached and the Holy Spirit came upon the church. That moment created this moment. All that preaching and all those converts that had converged on Jerusalem for the day of Pentecost Many of those converts stayed in Jerusalem, and then they had needs. Those needs had to be met. They had to eat. They had to find shelter. This was a big issue in the church. Luke doesn't really give us much comment. He just lays it out for us, and so we'll pick it up there, and we'll try to color in, color in the blanks, or not the blanks, but the, we'll color between the lines. Verse 432, Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Well, what's characterizing this time of need is that this lack of uh, material possessiveness. There was, people weren't, oh, this is mine. You know. There was this spirit of grace. Now here are two possibilities again of why this is happening. The first one that some would say is that the Christians were, or the Jewish converts from Judaism to Christianity were being cut off by their family members and by uh, the places of employment and lost income. The problem with that is the church is not yet persecuted in Jerusalem. At this time, uh, the the the, uh, the authorities opposed the apostles, but the common people approved of the Christians. Going back to Acts chapter 2, verse 47, Luke tells us what was going on when these Christians were, were being converted, when these people were being converted to Christianity, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So, uh, persecution is not causing this. Something else is causing this need for these urgent needs to be met. Incidentally, the title of this morning's message is Urgent Needs. Uh, Coming back to this, these converted Jews that remained in Jerusalem from Pentecost, this shows up in Acts chapter 6 when the Hellenistic Jews had a quarrel about the Jerusalem Jews getting the handouts first. The Hellenistic Jews are Jews that speak the the Greek language, but not the Hebrew, and they're not from Jerusalem. They're from other parts of the world. They're Jewish, uh, and they're converted, and this is how we know that this was a problem here, because this daily distribution of food was to help uh, bring relief to those who had come to Christ and not uh, returned home, at least not yet. And things are going to get worse for the J- Christians in Jerusalem. And they're going, to be, they're going to get worse not only because of the overcrowding, but because of the coming persecution, and also because of the famine that will come. Th- that those things will happen, uh, the persecution is coming sooner, the, f- the famine is coming later. And so we need to go back to some of the other sections of Scripture uh, to get a handle on exactly what is going on here. Otherwise, it, uh, it puts a lot of questions in our head, and, and we walk away saying, well, that doesn't seem uh, sustainable. I, I don't know, how I can't live like this. And uh, is this right? Well, we have to, to, to address it. You know, Christians meeting urgent needs, of course, is uh, a big part of our faith. James writes, well, what good is it if you say to someone, who's hungry, be warm and be filled, uh, and be blessed, and walk on about your business, but don't give him anything to bring relief. Uh, And and so that's what we're finding here. We're finding Christians living this out. There were those that had needs, and they're not saying, oh, Lord bless you, and going about their business. They were taking steps to address these needs, and the Spirit of the Lord was moving in their hearts Even though we have no commandment to do this, direct commandment, indirect, yes, love, but no direct commandment, the well would soon run dry. You just can't sustain this kind of giving. And we'll get briefly why this is not communism and it's not socialism. It is love, and it is nothing but love that was driving this at this time. Uh, when again, when the persecution comes, things will be even more radical. But the Christians will be pushed out of Jerusalem because of the persecution. But the apostles will, will remain. And so, this was a loving movement. But in reality, in an imperfect world, you cannot sustain this. There has got to be a source uh, of of. Uh, there has to be a source of supply, or else the well runs dry. Eventually, the, the apostle, Paul, mainly, had to strictly regulate church giving. Now, this is not only, this is not church giving yet, as we know it. It is part of it, but it's not the whole story. So let's look at what Paul has to say. Paul says to Timothy, because they didn't know how to do church. All these Gentiles coming into the to the synagogue-based church. They were bringing their pagan ways with them, and they were bringing wrong ways with them. And that's why we have these, these letters of Paul and the other apostles, too. And Paul says, Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, not unless she has been a wife of one man, and then he goes on to itemize other things. The standard was very high. And what he's talking about, this number, is the number of those who are receiving Financial assistance. And uh, when you read it, you say, Ooh, that eliminates almost everybody. If they don't have family members, okay. But if they got family members, let their family members take care of them. Don't burden the church. Very serious business. Titus, another pastor Paul wrote to in chapter 3, and let our people learn to maintain good works and meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Our people to meet urgent. Urgent needs. He did not say, and let the church meet urgent needs. I don't know it sounds insensitive. It's not. The other, the other way around, just breaks the church, creates a, you know, a spirit of, you know, makes parasites out of people. If, if some people, if if, if done wrong, uh, creating this balance of care in the midst of urgent needs, but not all needs, is something we should understand from Scripture. And not just because our heart wants to do something. Uh, That can be a trap. It's good that your heart wants to do something and is moved, but that's not enough. Or else God wouldn't have given us brains to be able to reason through things. Well, you feel it, just go do it. You don't have to think it through. It won't affect anybody else. That's why we have county ordinances where you just can't do certain things on your property in certain circumstances because... You know, where's, when it rains, where's the silt going to go? You know, it could go down and, you know, silt up someone else's pond or some other thing. There are other people involved in life. And we can lose sight of that very quickly. Jesus said, for the poor you have with you always. There'll always be those with needs. It's not going to stop until he returns. And so when I say that the Bible teaches... That we're not to try to get the church uh, to give what you personally may be called to give. John, in his first letter, he, sa- he says, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in that guy, in him? John is saying on an individual level, if you see a need and you can, you can help that need and you're moved in the Spirit to help, then do it. What I've seen over the years is people come, the church has to do something. No, why can't you do something? Now, I'm not saying people are always you know, wrong or negative or anything like that when they make this appeal. They just don't understand what the scriptures, how the Scripture lays this out. Well, that's why he himself has given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers and I believe pastor-teachers synonymous, and not uh, a second uh, group there, although we certainly do have teachers, the children's ministry. Incidentally, this church has enjoyed a lot of men teaching in our children's ministry. And I I have always been impressed by that. I think it's very good that the children see men and women uh, loving on them, in the presence of God, deliberately from God's word. That there's uh, n- the question marks are taken away as to what's going on in the church. Some kids go to church, it's just a babysitting center. Here, you go back there, if you're a teacher and you're not prepared, those kids are going to gobble you up. They'll, they know their Bibles. Their mom and dad are home, but you know, you're going to take that guy down if he doesn't know this verse. And <laughs> anyway, uh, Second Thessalonians. Just to put a, the brakes on some of this Paul was doing. We command you this. Pretty intense, right? New Testament commandment. If anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. If he will not work, if he chooses, I don't want to work, I'll just receive. That's a parasite. And the Bible forbids this. That's actually a, sort of a, a death sentence, is it not? Then don't feed them. If he won't eat, he'll starve until he's either going to go work or we'll have one less need. And it's, you say, well, now that sounds pretty harsh. Hey, I didn't write it. I like it. I like that it's here. It's, it brings relief. Well, then there's so many, you know, different circumstances. Uh, we're not getting to people who actually have needs now. And they don't always have to be urgent for us to help people. If, if someone's in need and we can help, we do it. What we don't do is clobber the church over the head. We get phone calls here of people saying, hey, can you pay my electric bill? No. Click. Not even nice. Yeah, anyway. Uh, anyway. The scriptures disagree with that. 1 Timothy is, is, Thessalonians, as I've mentioned, teach on these things. This same Apostle Paul that puts serious restrictions on church giving to the needy the same man is the one that rallied the gentile church to send financial aid to poverty stricken jerusalem and you got to say well why again this is years later after what we this section in acts why was the, the jerusalem christian struggling financially and you had, pentecost is is the place that produced all of the converts who decided to stay and, and then struggled. Life is real, serious business, and you can't hide behind religion uh, to get away from uh, the, the laws in a cursed world. Um, you, you might say, well, some of them weren't planning it through, were they? Well, that might be true. Uh, but well, this is the record we have, and this is what we have to uh, evaluate alongside of life where we live today. In, you know, it's very easy to say, well, we have enough social programs. We can handle things. Well, you know, that's not, that's not always true. That's true in a lot of cases. But there are other cases that are genuine needs, and the social programs just mess it up. You know, they put all these little laws on you and restrictions, and, and you have a genuine need, and they're not helping you. Well, I remember before this, when, when this church used to meet in those apartments across the road there, uh, just about five or six of us, those were hard times financially. And God sent a brother who was part of the little fellowship. And every now and then, he'd slip a, a check at, under the door or something uh, that would help. Uh, God put that on his heart. And God put it on my heart to cash that check. <laughs> I'll never forget it. I have, uh, this brother was here last Sunday worshiping with us. I'll never forget it. I won't go around saying, hey, it's him. God will do that when he gets there. So, you know, these needs. The Holy Spirit knows how to talk to people. And he knows how to move us. If we're willing to be moved and we're willing to listen and we have the means. And I can also add in this church, we have some generous people here. We have people that give large. And it is uh, always a blessing. To see that. I don't know who they are. I never want to know who they are. By the time we get to heaven. I won't be interested. In that part. But. Uh, that is the work of the Holy. Holy Spirit. And we should. Not. Undervalue it. Anyway. Uh, this. Um, this giving to the church. Initially. For the people. Was, was given to the church. For the people. But. There were some other things going on here. Um, At this point, again, the church is not moving out into the world as the Lord commanded. Jesus said, go into all the world. And and they're just huddled in Jerusalem. At this point, there is no outreach. There's only internal care. Well, a church wants to have outreach. A church wants to have some, some method of reaching out from itself. For us radio has been very good. We have a much larger congregation uh, on the, in the airwaves than we do physically in the building. And we, in, in Florida, there's just some in Ohio, and, and here in, in Virginia, it's been very good. Uh, and that's outreach. It's not cheap, and I'm not whining about the price. I think it's worth it. a um, laborer is worthy of his wages. But we we're always looking to do more, and that's why we have some outreaches uh, coming up is we do not want to be just huddled in together doing our thing, and that's it, although we have our distinctives. We have a a directive from God to the pastor, and that moves out to the congregation. If the congregation is leading the pastor, fire that pastor. He's not a pastor. I don't know what he is. He's a speaker or something. This is not then a pulpit. It's a lectern. Uh... The word of God, the man of God, is to know the state of the flock. He is to lead the flock. Uh, this is biblical. We never read of Paul asking anybody, what do you think I should do when it came to ministry? I mean, he might have said, you know, I don't know, what should I get, the vanilla or the chocolate? You know, but, but when it came to preaching the word and ministry, he got his orders from God. And uh, it, it works wonderfully. The church at Laodicea in Revelation 7, the nauseating church, and that's what it is uh, on the other hand. That was the people's church. And they did, the, they did what the people wanted. And Jesus said, hey, I'm outside trying to get in. And you're, you're all in there just doing your thing in my name. And I have some objections for you. Anyway, coming back to verse 32. Now the multitude of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. Well, this is what Jesus asked the Father twice in one prayer. And when those kind of things happen, there, that, I mean, there's an emphasis that we should not dismiss. John's Gospel, chapter 17. Truly, this is the Lord's Prayer, Whereas Matthew uh, uh, 6 gives us uh, the prayer from Jesus to the disciples, our Father who art in heaven, which every Christian should memorize. It is, it is the template for prayer. To calibrate your heart, get it right first. Where, who are you addressing and who is he? our Father who is in heaven? Holy is your name. Uh, it, it is a big deal. Well, when Jesus prayed, he said uh, to the Father, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those... Whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. That's the first part of that prayer, first time in that prayer, that he asked for unity amongst his believers. And then it continues in verse 22 of John 17. That was verse 11. Here's verse 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. Christ said, "I, I want the church. I want the assembly of believers, not just this universal church, which is global and covers every age of human history uh, from the church age on, but also the local church. And it's, it's, you know, you get a little disturbed when you hear, well, the church is everywhere. Yeah, it is everywhere, but there's also a local church. And without that local church, that church everywhere will die. And so they're both a big deal. Uh, but let's uh, make sure we don't put the uh, cart in front of the horse. The local church has got to be strong in first, and then the other will come as a product of that. So twice he asked for unity amongst believers. Uh, he continues here in Acts 4.32. Let me pause here for a minute. Now, I might be going a little fast for some of you. Uh, I don't know how to slow it down. Except to say, uh, you can the recorded the messages are recorded. There's a lot of information in the Scripture. God has a lot to say to us, and it is none of it's casual. All of God's word is deep and demanding. His criteria is high. It is so high we can't reach it without His grace and kindness. But we can glean so much from what God has made available to us that we are far better off than we ever would have been without it. God does not say, look, you know I love you. Guess about everything else. He has it not only written down in blood and sweat. He has preserved it. And so if you're sitting there saying, man, this is like phantasmagoria. This stuff is just flying out at me. That's the Holy Spirit saying, you got a lot of catching up to do. You're out of shape. You got to get in shape. You have to start getting into my word. Take little baby bites at first. And, and you will grow stronger. And I will use you. It's not enough to be loved by God. I want to be used by God. I want him to use me up without burning me out. And, and God does that. Uh, I, I don't stand up here talking to you from God's word as though somehow I've dodged all the things that you struggle with. Maybe not the same brand that you struggle with, but the same intensity Uh, How about depression? What do you do with that? You you stand up to depression. It ain't going to show you mercy. Oh, are you feeling bad today? Oh, okay, I'm going to back off. That ain't happening. You stand up to it. So what? You again? I know who you are. Trying to steal my hope. I got courage to face you. I'm getting ahead of next week's message. Let's get back to this. Neither did anyone say that any of the things he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. Now, this does not mean you could touch my truck. I just want to make this very clear. If if, 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 you, if, you, if, if you're sitting in my truck after service, I'm calling 911 and ask for an ambulance for you. <laughs> anyway, Luke, this is repeated. He said this in chapter 2, in verse 42 through 46. He repeats it because it's remarkable. Neither did anyone say anything of the things he possessed was his own. Now, of course, it doesn't mean that people say, hey, my house is your house, just take it over. Unless he couldn't make the mortgage. Uh, this is the spirit, the attitude. The people were did, did not have a, a spirit of possessiveness. This is similar to the building of the tabernacle in the wilderness that God directed Moses to, to uh, fabricate, and erect, to to make the materials, and to build it. Exodus chapter 36, and Moses, you know, they needed the resources, the gold. They did a lot of gold and silver (coughs) for that tabernacle. (coughs) Pardon me. (coughs) Exodus 36, verse 3, And they received from Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the service of making the sanctuary. So they continued bringing to him free will offerings every morning. These people in the, in the days of Moses that were banned from going into the promised land because of unbelief, because of those who were uh, full of doubt and, and ready to tell it, ready to get others to doubt along. So we can't take the giants in the land. We can't do this. And Caleb says, they said, well, we're like grasshoppers to those guys. And Caleb says, I ain't no grasshopper. I'll take those dudes out. Let's go get them, boys. And, you know, him and the voice of Joshua did not prevail that day. And so they were sentenced as a people to the wilderness. And good, faithful people had to endure the punishment alongside the guilty. Such is life. Verse 36, uh, uh, Exodus 36, verse 5 in this time what happened? People are bringing every morning. They're bringing the free will offer. And nobody's putting a gun to their head. Nobody's up there. If you don't give $5 more, this radio ministry is going to go off the air. If you don't do this, we can't build a new gymnasium for the children to sweat in. Uh, nobody, it's, not, it's not in the scripture. I hope a distinctive of this ministry is the minute we find out we're shoving this thing forward, we're going to stop. It goes away. Uh, if, if workers don't come out and do it joyfully, then we get rid of it. Uh, that would be all the way to, if no one showed up here, well, we'd have to just close up the doors and and then I'd have to go be a fashion model or something. (laughs) Anyway, verse 5, and they spoke to Moses saying, the leaders are coming to, to Moses, the people bring much more than enough for the service of the work of Yahweh that he commanded us to do. So Moses gave a commandment And they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary. And the people were restrained from bringing for the material that they had was sufficient for all the work to be done, indeed, too much. Do you think there's anybody? There aren't many on television that would tell people, please, you're giving too much. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> these prosperity teaches you know god made you rich and uh the anyway i'm off on my own thing there cuz it's annoying this is a lie in jesus name to say that god wants them to, to make your bank account you know seven digits or something it's it's just not true there are, there's, there's just more to life than uh amassing wealth as jesus taught anyway uh all that a man has is granted in this sense by God. Everything you have, every possession that you have is granted. It, it is filtered through God. Which some will say, well, hey, there's a discrepancy here. You know, why does this one get more and this one get less? Well, if you're faithful to God, you'll find out when you get to heaven. But for right now, you, we have to be faithful with what we've been entrusted with. When the Jews divvied up their land... This tribe got this lot, and it was really small. And then the other tribe got this lot, and it was really big. Well, God was the one that assigned the allotment, and uh, that is continued. So let's take it new, Old and New Testament alike. Deuteronomy 8, uh, Moses saying to the people that they need to depend on God. Uh, then, then you say in your heart, my power and my might of my hand have gained me this wealth, and you shall remember Yahweh your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish this, uh, his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. Now, they're gonna miss, they're gonna, many of them are going to abuse these kind of verses. Ezekiel points it out this way to the people. He says, you have also taken your beautiful jewelry, from my gold and my silver, which I had given you, and made for yourself male images and played the harlot with them. So Ezekiel, God is saying through the prophet Ezekiel, I've given you gold and I've given you silver. And this is what you've done with it? You've made monuments to perverse idols? How's What's going on with that? And And it is to this day. What God gives you, what are you going to do with it? Well, these Christians here, many of them were selling land and bringing the money to the, to the church and saying, we need you to take this and help the people out. God was moving in them that way. And that's happened in other stages of Christianity in the world. You just can't sustain it. Nor should it be sustained. It's so certainly good for the time that it was alive and, and working. 1 Corinthians 4, Paul says, And what do you have that you have not received? Name one thing that you have that God did not allow. Uh, if, if you know which, whatever blessings you have, the, every good gift is from the Father, says James. All right, so we've established that. Verse thirty-three. I'll pause here again. Maybe you're not a believer in Jesus Christ. Maybe you have you don't get it yet. That Christians want to follow everything we're taught to do from Scripture. We want to. We don't say, never mind, God. I'll run my own life. Then he is not Lord. See, that word Lord means he's the master. He's the one that directs my steps and my light. When David brought the Ark of the Covenant, that chest that represented the presence of God to the Jewish people, when he brought it to Jerusalem, they walked six steps and they stopped and they worshiped and sacrificed unto the Lord. Six is that number in Scripture that speaks of man. And it was David saying, this, we only go but so far without worship. We've got to stop to worship. And David, the consummate, the consummate man of worship in the Scripture, we've be covering him on, on Wednesdays where we discovered he is the most named human being in all the Bible. Well, uh, so you're getting these Scripture verses, That's because that's the authority behind what we pursue as believers. They're not just these little snacks we throw out and say, isn't that cute, should be on a t-shirt. This is God's word to us, and it's to direct our lives. And when God says, if you do not forgive, you will not be forgiven, we quake in our shoes, or cowboy boots, as I prefer, because it's true. Um, The mercy of God is something that is not... um, to be dismissed. Verse 33, And with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Think about how many believers, since these ancient Christians came along, have suffered and died for preaching the gospel because they believed this, because they fulfilled this. If we were looking for a verse to summarize the entire book of Acts, this would be a good one, would it not? Let's see it again. And with great power, the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. The apostles are referred to 30 times in this, this book of Acts. This is why it is mostly referred to the Acts of the Apostles. uh, Interchangeable with the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Either one is fine because these men were chosen by Jesus Christ himself and it is showing us the actions they took after Christ was risen and then ascended to heaven. These are the actions of of the followers of Christ. It has 20 nine chapters. If you look in your Bible, 28 of them are posted. We are the 29th chapter. Every church after the apostles is the 29th chapter of Acts. It is still going, the Acts of the followers, the disciples of Jesus Christ. This is a wonderful book, and we haven't even started yet. Uh, It is going to intensify. Uh, very much. It would be easier to read these things that are coming than it would be to have lived them. So, here again, the emphasis is on preaching the resurrection. That's what is clearly stated. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ encapsulates multiple doctrines. The sovereignty of God, the love of God. Because you have to say, well, what precipitated, What, what what uh, happened before the rest? Well, there was a death. There was a death of God the Son. Why? For sinners. To pay their penalty. Because we're all sinners. Every single one. There are sinners that are saved by grace and there are sinners who are not saved by grace. There are saints and there ain'ts. And a saint is someone separated by God. It's not someone that, uh, you know, the church voted on. Okay, this guy, we really like what he did. We're going to make them a saint. That's... That is unbiblical. That is anti-scriptural. That is, that can belong, and you say, I'm offended by that. Well, then you're offended by the Scripture. Uh, A saint in the Scripture, when Paul says, to the saints at Colossae, they were living, individual Christians. When he says, to the saints at Corinth, they were Christians who were a problem. You know that emoji with the hand over the face, like, oh boy. That goes on Corinth, because that was the church. Thank God for that letter, but I tell you, I would, have, I would have moved out of Corinth and moved to Philadelphia, not Pennsylvania. Uh, Philadelphia in Asia Minor. I, would, I, would have, I don't know if I would have wanted to go to Smyrna, where they were killing Christians. But, all right, well, that's just a little side note. Uh, maybe you would have stayed in Corinth. Because <laughs> they were kooky. I mean, not all of them, but a great many of them had, had hijacked the church, and they broke Paul's heart. Uh, So much so, one of the Corinthian letters we don't even have. It wasn't preserved. And Paul just, you know, it was a real tough fight for him. Anyway, uh, their eyewitness account made them what? Witnesses. We can see it with other things than just our eyes. You don't need my eyeballs to see what God is doing. I have a spirit that is alive. I can see in other ways. Fanny Cosby, who wrote so many hymns that we sing, or in hymn books, she was blind, and she just loved on the Lord, and of course, she's she's not the only one. Peter, in his letter, one of his letters, to these men, they followed Christ, they were chosen by Christ to lead the church, and they wrote things to the church, and the Holy Spirit has preserved them, and they have become scripture, the Bible. Well, Peter saw Jesus, used to Walk with him, dined with him, saw Jesus angry, saw him happy, saw him in, in, in all of the, the facial expressions and mannerisms, gestures that go with that. And yet he finds himself amongst believers who never met Jesus Christ, never saw him with their eyeballs, but loved him just as much as Peter loved him. And this was kind of... It had to have been something that one day he's in the congregation singing with the congregation, realizing these people loved my Lord and they've never met him. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Whom having not seen you love, though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. He saw the glory. He saw these people are at it. When we were singing, we're not singing to the ceiling. We're not singing to the singers. We're not singing to some lover on earth. A romantic ballad, not that there's anything necessarily wrong with that. We're singing to the one we love, Christ, God the Son, on the throne of God and here right now. And and that's what we believe. And we're not ashamed of it. In fact, not only are we not ashamed, we're eager to tell it. We're excited about it. And great grace was upon them all. And grace is love and action, among other things. It is undeserved kindness. When you show grace, you're not saying, listen, you deserve this niceness I'm showing you. Most of the time you're saying, not every time, but many times, you're saying, you don't deserve this, but here. Uh, maybe you're just letting an insult fly by when Jesus had turned the other cheek. That's grace. Psalm 90, verse 17 and let the beauty of Yahweh, our God, be upon us. And establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. Oh man, dependence on God. And, and it's painful sometimes. However, with all this grace flying around, there's chapter 5. We're, in ch- we're ending chapter 4 this morning, I think. How much time we got here? Anyway, uh, chapter five's coming. Every time in the Bible you find grace and love of God, there's the rod. There's the stick. Like, don't forget, if you abuse this, I'm going to use it. Now, you parents, the rod is not only for striking. It's the rule. If you discipline them early, you won't have to deal with it so much later on. They'll get the rule. Uh, you know, physical punishment sometimes is necessary for on a child. But the ideal is to have them respect the rod. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Not only is the rod and staff used on the wolf, it can be used on me too. Not to the same degree of intensity, of course. So, as we're talking about the giving and the loving, in chapter 5 we get these two Christians that want some of the attention and they lie to Peter, they lie about who they are, and they are struck dead. And we'll open that one up next week. Uh, but verse 34. Nor was there anyone among them who lacked for all who were possessors of lands or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of the things that were sold, verse 35, and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each as anyone had need. Well, that's not going to last, but it, it was, for the moment it was very necessary. In Deuteronomy, Moses promised material blessings to, uh, to reward those who were obedient to, to Yahweh. And again, Yahweh, Jehovah, uh, Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. The goal became amongst the Jews this uh, need to acquire material wealth as a sign of God's blessing. Not all of them, but many of them felt if God... If I'm obedient, God will bless me with with material gains. And uh, that will be proof that God is blessing me and I am in favor with him. Now, there's elements of truth to that, but that's certainly not the whole truth. Lazarus, Lazarus died a beggar and the angels took him to Abraham's bosom. Couldn't take him to heaven yet, to paradise. Christ had not yet died in that parable. Whereas the rich man was in hell. And he just, you know, they are Tormented. So, you know, the context belongs to everything. Anyway, uh, if I say, hey, just make sure when you leave here, you drive between the lines. Well, it doesn't mean in the wrong lane. I mean, going the opposite direction. Uh, This context is very, it's critical to understanding, of course. So, material wealth gave many of these Israelites a sense of security and self-righteousness. They felt they were better than other people. And this explains the arrogance of the Sanhedrin, the, those who had Jesus arrested and got Rome to crucify him. Uh, their, their thinking at this time was summarized, whom the Lord loves, he makes rich. Sounds familiar? Still a, a thinking taught in false churches today. Many gave alms to beggars as to, to gain merit, favor with God. But, here's the point. The Christians here are giving out of love. They're not giving to get. They're giving to help. That's what they're getting in return. They're not saying, well, if we give, then God's going to, bless that seed offering, brother. If I put a dollar in, he's going to give me a hundred dollars back. Why should God do that? Uh, Anyway, verse 34 nor was there anyone among them who lacked. So the material needs were met. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But the clock is a ticking. They need to get to work. And evidently, they don't. Eventually, because this is unsustainable, and it becomes a hindrance to preaching. When we get to chapter 6, we'll see that. The people will be distracted from the word, and it will be the loving welfare that they begin to look for. And Peter, under the Spirit, says, uh-uh, we're not going to be doing that anymore. We're going to give ourselves to the Word into prayer. Uh, this is a fundamental. I have noticed many times Christians who are into, uh, you know, pantries and soup kitchens kind of a thing. You know, good work. Nobody's disputing that. I'm not. But if, if you're doing it without the Word, then I have a big problem with it. And if you give the Word, you'll have less people to, to minister to in that way. Because they'll become stronger. Uh, and the ones that I've met, well, two that I can remember here, that, if, well, I do this, and, you know, maybe you, church, could use it. And, you know, I mentioned it in the scripture, and they just like, kind of dismiss that. Yeah, 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 yeah. How does that work? What, I mean, this is not Mother Teresa's paradise, where you can just, never mind what God's word says. I'm going to help people who need things. In fact, I'm going to help them believe in things that God forbids, if it makes them comfortable. That's the kind of thinking that we're not with, and that brings persecution on us. People think, oh, you're not loving? Shut up. You talk about I'm not loving. What is that, your secret weapon? It's like once you tell me I'm, you know, we're seeing this with these (laughs) people who are saying, I I, I was born this, but I'm now going to be that, they, them. We're seeing them, if you don't agree with them, somehow you're not loving well, how does, does that, a one-way street? I mean, are you not loving by not agreeing with me that Jesus Christ is Lord and you're a sinner and you need to repent and abandon that? Aren't you the loveless one towards him? Well, of course, reason doesn't matter in those arenas, does it? But it does to us, and we stand our ground. And uh, just telling the truth does not make us loveless, though telling the truth requires love, or else you're just clobbering people. Well, uh, there's no mention here of the apostles as they oversee these funds, uh, there's no mention of the people dire- specifying where the funds are to be spent. There are no strings attached. You can't give to the church and say, this is for. You give to the church and the, the, the leaders take it from there. That is the biblical template. If you say, well, my church does it differently. Well, that's them. But uh, this church tries to follow the, the template as we understand it. If they understand it a different way, then they should get some of my CDs. And no I'm kidding, uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I have more to say. But let's. Uh, Jesus said this: when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. If you give it, don't say, "Oh, and by the way, give it." Just, just you give it and you leave it with the Lord. It is a gift to Him. Uh, you may be doing it on behalf of people, but it is still. To Jesus, When you did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. There's this uh, sort of a story that uh, a man gets to heaven and he sees Jesus wearing his, his jacket. And he says, uh, where'd you get that? And he says, you gave it to me. He says, when? He says, remember you saw that beggar that had no clothes on? You took your jacket off and you put it on him. You did it to the least of these, you did it unto me. That's a good story. I should take credit for that. But there's no money in it, so why bother? Anyway, <laughs> that's the uh, lampoon. Anyway, this is not socialism. It was love. It was not forced, number one, and it's not communism either. They only contributed as need arose and in preparation for need voluntarily. And they continued to grow their personal income and spend it as they wanted to. So there's, there's anybody that's, well, this is communism. And no, it's not. Uh, there are times when people do things like that. As Christians, you can use judo on them. It's somewhere in the Bible. You can use judo on people that you don't agree with. All right. Well, back to, uh, well, for those of you, for those of you who suppose that tithing was for the Old Testament, Here's the New Testament pattern: sell everything and give it to the church. Yeah, you're a cheapskate you need to be shoved. Is that's the truth? Anyway, uh, verse 36. Almost out of time. There we almost done. And Joseph's. Who is also named Barnabas, verse 36, by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, verse 37, having land, sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This is a critical character in the New Testament and in all the Bible. So much so that, God willing, I'll do a topical on him this coming Sunday. Uh, there 's just too much to pass over and just comment uh, verse by verse comment time uh, He humanly speaking, had Barnabas not been who he was there 'd be no apostle Paul that we as we know him. Uh, there would have been a Christian living in uh, Cilicia doing church, and that would have been pretty much it so we 'll we'll open that up. We will comment that the name Josies here is the Greek version of the Hebrew Joseph. The name Joseph means God will add. That's the idea behind the word. And this man added to every environment he went into. And he is worth studying and learning from. And he will rebuke all of us without even trying in a, in a wonderful way, not a harsh way. So I limit my comments on him. It says that... Uh, they na- the uh, the disciples named him encouragement uh, they noticed him because he could build people up, and the disciples had enough discouragers that this guy stood out huh what you mean he's actually encouraging us you think you think because these men were handpicked by Christ and did miracles that they did not have those snarky snide remarks go their way Jesus would have never done it like that <laughs> you know they just you know and and so <laughs> here's Barnabas like, man, the Lord would have done it like that. I mean, he must have told you how to do it. He I mean, just comes with good news. He just brings sunlight into the room. The other ones, it closing blinds and sh- nailing them shut. Empty barrels make the most noise. And so, if you're sensitive, uh, you'll, you'll pick up that, here's a man that's actually encouraging us. Um, and um, God takes notice of that, so does Satan. Remember, the armor of the Christian, or your flesh is armor too. For every action is a reaction. You know, Newton's the third law of physics. You know, there's uh, John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace. There's Isaac Newton who was a Christian and came up with these laws of figure, uh, figures. Uh, physics. And then there's Fig Newton, whom we all love. <laughs> so, All right. <laughs> A Levite of the country of Cyprus, he and Paul, then he and his cousin Mark will visit cyprus we 're out of time we 'll get to this as we move forward. His first visit was paul it was was powerful his first his second visit was Mark came from a near from a big fight that he had with Paul, and we have to open these things up so i 'm going to close with this uh, catch the emphatic uh, events that happened. After the apostle prayed in, in verse 31, the place quaked. When they prayed for boldness, the place shook. And they were all filled with the Spirit in verse 31. They spoke the word of God boldly. In verse 32, there was unity in the church. There was availability. You know, if you say, oh, look, I really, I can serve the church. I do this and I do that. But you don't make yourself available, then it's, it's a wasted talent. Uh, great power to witness, <clears throat> verse 33, great grace upon them, verse 33, contentment, in verse 34, and generosity throughout, and here in verse 35. And so, when Barnabas became a Christian, he gave his life to Christ, he gave his money also to Christ, not all of it. Uh, we pay attention to such men. Acts thirteen two. this is the last verse I'm reading for the morning. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. I was up last night saying, maybe I should do a topical on this. I was so moved by the things that were just coming out of the scripture about this man. Uh, So I'm not trying to sell it for next Wednesday because I could fall flat on my face and that would be bad for me more than you. Uh, Anyway, let's pray. Our Father, your word, so exciting, so real, and yet uh, there's still that life to live that also is real, but not always so exciting. You are the one that has these two meet together, and that's where work is hammered out. We thank you for the privilege. We who believe thank you for the privilege to serve you, to be used by you. Indeed, may Christ Jesus in our heart increase, and may our own Self ways decrease. May you increase. May we decrease. If you've been listening and you've not opened your heart to Jesus Christ, why not? What about Christ makes you put him off? Is it the appetite for sin? Perhaps you've followed some lie about Christ and you don't believe he is who he says he is. You have a chance. You have a chance to have all your sin past, present, and future, washed away, the recurrent grace of Christ, but it only is for those who will come to receive it. You cannot earn it, but you can receive it. If you want Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you want to be a child of faith according to the Word of God, then come, open your heart, make this prayer with me right now, God will receive you, you will be His. If you say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I've broken and break your commandments. And I come to you and you alone to be forgiven. Because only you died for me. Only you rose again for me. And only you will bring me into heaven. Now, Father, if anyone has made this prayer this morning, may they act on it. May they not be ashamed of it. May they come forward and share with the pastors. I've opened my heart to Christ and accepted him as my Lord and my Savior. These things we commit to your hands in Jesus' name. Amen.